This is Nick Law, and you're listening to the Hot Forward Podcast, getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business. Hotforward.beer is a podcast and website dedicated to the beer industry, supporting budding beer entrepreneurs by gaining insights from experienced brewers and folk within the craft beer industry. So grab a glass, pour yourself a beer, and let's get into this week's episode. Twelve years ago, my wife and I started a list that we stuck to our fridge called Beers We Have Known and Loved. The idea was simple. For every beer we'd purchase from the dram shop, a small independent retailer of microbrew beers, fine wines and world whiskies, would write down the name of the beer, a comment and rate the beer out of ten. Needless to say, that piece of paper has long disappeared, but the memory of one particular German beer remains etched on my mind over a decade on. Simply called Bierachen or smoke beer in English, this black liquid did not have the sublime, subtly smoked sausage meats breakfast cereal taste often associated with the style, but rather, as my scathing review testified, quote unquote, tastes like fagash, zero out of ten. You could argue that this humble line sheet of A4 was the precursor to websites such as Break Beer or apps such as Untapped. The idea of keeping a log of things you love, or in this case loathe, isn't new. Beer tickers throughout the years have journal after journal entries containing reviews of the latest guest ale down the local, beers revered at festivals, and casual comments from evenings in by the fire on a cold winter's night with a bottle of something dark and heartwarming. In the privacy of, to keep such a record of my personal opinions is neither here nor there, But how does that translate into the digital age where reviews are open to interpretation, public for all to see, but also grant direct access and dialogue with the producers themselves? These are questions that Greg Avola, the CEO of Untapped, had to wrestle with for the last 10 years. Untapped is an app that allows users to keep track of their beers in real time and allows for open conversations surrounding those check-ins, familiar to most brewers and beer fans alike for a variety of reasons. I've yet to meet a brewer who hasn't felt the euphoric hit as a shot of dopamine pulses through their veins due to a string of positive reviews and then, in the next instance, has been hit in the gut by a punchy, offhand comment that seems just unjustified on every single level. Whatever your relationship with Untapped, there's no denying that it does what it does very well and is collecting vast amounts of data regarding worldwide beer trends which will prove invaluable over the coming months and years. And let's face it, who hasn't enjoyed reading some of the worst beer reviews from keyboard warriors and armchair detectives as featured on the Worst Beer blog? So before we crack open today's interview with Greg, in honour of Untapped turning 10, I think it's time for a little... Brewers read mean tweet. <laughs> Recently, I invited a variety of brewers to share some of the meanest tweets and untapped reviews that they've had. Um, while I would love this to be a regular feature of the Hot Four podcast, there's going to be an element of you guys, the listeners, sending in your mean 
tweets. So when we kick into season two in the new year, we'll, we'll go through it then. But as a little preview to kind of uh, show you what I'm going for, if you're not familiar with the Jimmy Kimmel sketch, then um, here are some mean tweets as read by the Brewers themselves. So this is a handwritten card that was sent through the post. You can imagine how excited I was to receive a nice card through the post. Um, and it says, reference, Wildwood Black Forest Stout, uh, which is one of our stouts which has received very good reviews online. Uh, Dear Sir Madam, I felt I had to write to you after our recent holiday in Norfolk. We went to the beer shop and picked up a few beers to enjoy. Well, we did enjoy most of them. Unfortunately, it was your Black Forest Stout that was, to put it blank, bluntly, undrinkable. The only beer we have ever thrown away after one sip each, and we have tried many. Please, sir, stop making this beer and others, as you are giving microbreweries a bad name. Ben and Gwen. Hello, my name's Brooke and I'm from Broly Brewing. This is a untapped review for our beer Spanky McDanky, which is an IPA in cask, very hot forward, very thick and juicy, and from the lovely Russell. Terrible! Camera may rate this, but this is absolute unbalanced dishwater guff. Maybe it can help fight off COVID. Two stars. So I'm George from Padstow Brewery. Uh, we got a lovely review on our Sundowner 2.0. Um, cheesy on the nose, and while starts off fruity at first, leaves an aftertaste of washing up liquid. Very disappointing. So this is a review uh, from Instagram by uh, a guy called Dogman800. Uh, pours a murky and hazy pale amber with a large, tightly bubbled, slightly off-white head that kept a good amount of head retention and very good amounts of spot lacing. Started well. Aromas are tart, sour, firstly on the nose with a little orange and very little in the way of hops. Uh, it has a hint of caramel, stone fruits, oh and vomit. It's reminiscent of Ward's Bitter back in the day with a yeasty sour aroma taste a tart sour and very bitter with some wet cardboard very dry bitterness and sourness lingers non reminiscent of Ward's bitter that tasted great I wanted to go outside and wash my mouth out with some muddy puddle water which would have tasted better <laughs> it's getting worse uh, from the carbonation on the pour I thought there may be some fizziness um, or liveliness to the body but sadly no zero Donada as flat as a badger's tip. Only the lingering taste of wet cardboard. Don't people taste before canning? Score, one out of, oh no, sorry, minus one out of five. That's minus one below zero. Bloody awful. Pompous dick signing out. We just put thanks for the review, guys. Glad the cardboard came through. <laughs> Simon from Padstow Brewery. Our lobster tail beer. Starts off empty but fizzy, then the wheat builds to an anticlimax and once swallowed, aftertaste of wheat. Bottle of not much, one star. <laughs> this is why we do it. Each and every week, we're partnering with Brew School to bring you the latest brewing jobs and careers in the UK brewing and beverage industry. And this week's featured job comes from Dundee-based 71 Brewing, who are looking for a senior brewer. 71 Brewing has a fantastic opportunity for an experienced and passionate brewer to join one of the fastest growing craft breweries in Scotland. 
They are looking for somebody to be fully involved in all the creative elements of the brewing lifestyle, making great IPAs and lagers, but also of their new sour and barrel aging projects. Based in the characterful surroundings of the old Black Nest Ironworks in central Dundee, you'll be working with their state-of-the-art 30 hectolitre SK brew plant, over 700 hectolitre of fermentation capacity, on-site canning and kegging capabilities, and a QA laboratory. Strong interpersonal and communication skills are also vitally important as you'll be working closely with all the other teams at 71 Brewing, especially the packaging, sales and warehouse teams. If you head over to brewing-jobs.com and look up the job, you can see what the prerequisites are, the duties and responsibilities, what kind of development there'll be, the representation you'll need to contribute as a member of 71 Brewing and some other attributes they're looking for. So get ready for a career in brewing in partnership with Brew School only at brewing-jobs.com today. Finally, be sure to follow us on all the socials at Hotford Beers. Visit our website hotford.beer to find out more info on how we can help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. Go to Facebook and join our growing Facebook community of brewers and beer professionals alike by searching Hot Forward in the Facebook groups. And be sure to subscribe to the show and leave us a little review on iTunes, Spotify or your streaming platform. Can't tell you how much it helps to push the podcast further out there um, and get more listeners tuning into it so it can help them get some great feedback from brewers who do tune in and I'd love to spread the word with what we're doing. So really, really interesting discussion this week with Greg Avola, the CEO of Untapped, as they celebrate their 10th birthday of the app this week. I hope you get a lot out of this episode. I know I did from this conversation. Cheers. Today on the Hot 4 podcast, I'm joined by Greg Avola, CEO of Untapped. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm all right, thank you. I'm not so bad. How are you? Very, very excited to be here. Good, good. So whereabouts? Are you based in the States or? Yeah, so Untapped headquarters in North Carolina at Wilmington. It's a uh, seaside town uh, about four hours east of Charlotte, which is what people think about North Carolina, uh, uh, one of the bigger cities there. I live in Connecticut, so I live on the East, east Coast near New England area um, in the dead center of the state near Hartford, Connecticut. So that's where I'm located. Right. Uh, okay. Uh, for some reason, I thought that um, you were on the, in San Francisco or somewhere. Yeah, everyone thinks that because we're like a, a a social startup that we used to be, and everyone, oh, you got to be in Silicon Valley. For <laughs> yeah. No, but I've lived in uh, when we launched Untapped about ten years ago, and actually this this week is our tenth anniversary of being on Untapped. Uh, we I was in New York for about eighty percent of those ten years, so I recently moved to Connecticut. But some of the, the little little Silicon Valley here in New York City. Right. Cool. Um, so let's talk about Untapped. Like, how, how did Untapped come about, and what was the vision and the end goal when you created the app? Because you. you coded it yourself am i right in saying that yes yeah so we started it back in the summer of 2010 so the concept was built off of foursquare uh which uh used to be one of the prominent social media apps for checking into places i mean it's still around but it's not as prominent as they used to be back then but my co-founder and i uh were on opposite sides of the coast so i was in new york and he was in california and we wanted to know you know take the concept of foursquare and apply it to an industry that was inherently social 
but wasn't represented in an online real-time fashion. So there mm. were definitely things like Ray Beer and Beer Advocate and other ones out there, but those were more post-drinking experiences where you'd walk away from your drinking experience, you'd think about what you had, you remember it, which was hard, half the problem, and then you basically have to write a review about it. But with Untap, we wanted in the moment kind of real-time. So we talked about Forspur being that check-in system where you check into a place and matching it with kind of this need for – uh, a, a virtual perspective of what beer drinking is. I mean, it's, it's no more clear as we are right now in a, in a global pandemic where we all want to drink together and Untap brings you together to drink like that. But in, in when we were all in the pubs back in the pre-COVID days, uh, you know, we drank together and we want to take that experience of bringing it into a virtual setting. And that's kind of where Untap was born. And, you know, neither myself or my co-founder are really big into beer, believe it or not, uh, when we first started. Uh, you know, we were just kind of thinking about ways to kind of use the social media aspect and the social social discovery of what untapped was all about in the very beginning to help us learn about what beer we liked and we didn't like. And then from that experience, we ended up really learning what beers we liked and we didn't like. Hey, it works for us. We brought people out there as well. And that's kind of where untapped started from that perspective. Wow. That's, that's a crazy story. Cause that, I was literally going to ask you like, so you must've been a huge beer fan, but no. uh, it sounds like you weren't more, more of a techie. Um, so mm-hmm. like, how, how would you say then over the last 10 years, your, um, your palate, I suppose, has developed and, and your appreciation for beer? Absolutely, like tenfold, not to use a, not to be a pun at that point. But, you know, I think the Greg from 20, 2009 would be like, you like hazy IPAs? What's wrong with you? Like, like of course, they didn't exist back there in 2009 <laughs> yeah, yeah. or even an IPA. But, you know, my first big kind of craft beer explosion, you know, when during the untapped, uh, early days is I tried a beer called Rare Voss from Burma Oma Gang up here in uh, upstate New York. And that's a very big beer to get into for someone who's drinking more traditional American light lagers, you know, the, the traditional macro stuff. What blew me away is the the taste explosion, the the the, the difference in, in, a, in a drinking that particular beer that I did ever experience before as well. Beer is complex. Beer can be different than what you than what you imagine for. And I think that's what got kicked me into, into this kind of gear of, of, of my palate changing. And, you know, I, I definitely you know, slide to more pilsers and lagers uh, nowadays as I'm getting older where I want more of a, a crisp taste to it and not be sludge on the floor the 19% imperial stout <laughs> IPA or whatever it is these days but you know my palate has definitely changed for someone who didn't even like dark beers right in the beginning someone that enjoys them very much now from that perspective so it's definitely changed I think that tributes to the way that Untapped kind of helps people kind of get out of their comfort zone from some of our gamification elements like badges and promotions so just be seeing what your friends are drinking out there I mean it's a really weird concept to explain but it's the kind of FOMO effect where you just fear you're missing out on someone else's check-in oh that beer looks kind of interesting that picture looks kind of interesting let me add to my wish list so I can check it out later and that has, has fostered a, a big amount of exposure for me and, and, and also for the brand from that side yeah so I mean you said obviously um, you know you yourself have changed a lot um, and your beer drinking habits over those last mm-hmm. 10 years but so just going back to 10 years when you were developing on town like t- take us through that journey from then until now like what's changed what have you had to improve over time you've got some horror stories from those early days of coding you know things going wrong and yeah i, I do web development as well um yeah. so i bought the t-shirt you know of, of look, looking <laughs> for, you know and spending a day figuring out ah oh, it was a semicolon i put in not a comma you know <laughs> yeah. that kind of thing um so yeah t- take us book uh, 10 years and, and that journey over the last 10 years some of the highlights and lowlights and that kind of thing Absolutely. So, you know, in the summer of 2010, we kind of built it with a, uh, a bare bones, uh, uh, functionality. So basically, uh, you know, it had this concept where we wanted to simply just 
most people to check in a beer, tell us how they were and add a review. We didn't even have a ratings when we first launched the individual app because we didn't really know too much about the industry. We we're just trying to connect our social expertise to it. So it was based on a, a very simple 24 hour kind of hack day thing that I put together. I built the whole thing from start to finish 24 hours back in the, in the original thing with a lot of features that we have today, but it's definitely evolved a lot. And we, in the first couple of years, we kind of got into this, this notion where we get a lot of users signing up at different time periods and we had a lot of scalability issues. So not necessarily like, you know, you know, traditional coding things where you make a mistake or something happens, but you know, when you go to school for these things, they teach you how to build apps for 10 people and they'll take off 10 points for a query if you didn't do it opt optimized for that, but they don't teach you how to build app for millions and millions of users. So we definitely had to worry about those scaling issues all the way from the very beginning. I remember one time I was on an airplane going over to Portland, Oregon and untapped it crash. And I had to wait for the plane to get up into the air, to get on the <laughs> Wi-Fi to be able to actually fix the issue uh, from that side. So I've learned a lot uh, about how to scale from technology side infrastructure wise and to build high quality products that can uh, you know, maintain that. But it's always been a learning experience for me and seeing the technical aspects of what we do and how we can apply them to, to the user's uh, interests and, and needs. But you know, what things I've discovered from the untapped platform is that they heaviest time period on the app is 4 p.m. on a Saturday. That is global across the board. And you think about it logically, 4 p.m. over in the UK is around 8 or 9 p.m., depending on where you are, 7 or 8 or 9. In the, uh, in, in the U.S. is around 4 o'clock. And then in the West Coast, it's from you know, noon or 1 o'clock. That all that together is the most, it's the highest throughput of all users coming on, checking in at one time. So we've you know, learned from these experiences and tried to scale up our architecture and systems during those time periods to basically have a better throughput for the user experience. So it's definitely been a challenge. We've definitely crashed numerous times in the old days and knock on wood that we're doing much better <laughs> in that aspect there. But we've definitely um, learned from what we can to try to improve upon it to make the best experience for users. Well, you heard it here first, folks. 4 p.m. global yes, time. That is officially beer o'clock. <laughs> yeah, I guess like, untapped and spoken, I guess you could say. So. Yeah, there you go. So I love what you said about um, you know being on the runway and, and untapped crashing. I, I can just envision someone in some bar somewhere trying to check in their Imperial Stout and like really losing their shit because they can't. It's like, I'm going you know? to forget <laughs> what this was, you know. And, which, it, I mean, that kind of leads me on to my next question. Like, how much do you think untaps? Um, in particular, um, and I guess other apps and websites that do beer reviews and stuff, but I guess Untapped is the main one uh, mm. that people tend to use. Like, how much do you think that has driven beer trends and the rise of the one-off beer? Whereas, obviously, we, you know, people used to tap into a brand and and drink a few particular beers re- religiously, and now it's kind of like we all like trying different beers, and then. Um, you know, and the rise of what we refer to in the UK as the beer ticker. Oh, what do you call? Mm-hmm. Do you know what a beer ticker is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you call beer tickers in the states, or do they have the same I, same name? I think it's the same thing. You know, right. a, a unique a unique counter, or you know, something along those lines. But right. beer ticker, I think, is centralized actually over in the UK and it came to the United States. So I think we use the same term. Right. So, so how, how much do you think Untapped has driven a lot of that culture that we're now kind of, I guess, subject to as as brewers? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we definitely have some aspect and play into that. People like to see their unique numbers match. We have a lot of users that have, you know, aim for that checking count and unique count to be the same. But, you know, I think that there's an opportunity as well to kind of encourage people to try the beers they love. You don't always have a new beer. And I think that's something that we go after. We have certain badges and things of that nature that say, hey, drink the same beer over a certain time period to earn this badge. So we do have some incentive for it. But I think that, you know, the culture now is everybody wants something new. Uh, 
you know, I, I think that's just something that's changed over the last, you know, many, many years that we've been doing this, not necessarily has had started and ended with us from a lack of a better word, but they really, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's why products and services come out with new things all the time. And it's not necessarily because the old version of that particular product or beer or what have you was not good. It was just because people want new flashy things. And I think mm. that's what a lot of brewers are, 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 are struggling with now is that they have tons and tons of beers that they're kind of like continuing trying to make those one-off releases to get people in the door, especially now in this, in this pandemic. And, you know, we see a lot of these one-off beers for the all together series from all, all uh, from other half um, the black is beautiful series from, from other souls that have great initiatives attached to that, but also they're just new and people love to grab what's new out there to support their local breweries because that they feel that is what they want to do. So I think we definitely had a play into it, but I think that over time culture has really turned into this more of like, I want the newest stuff, the freshest stuff, Stuff. And you know the old stuff is old, even though it's it is fresh. It's still made and it's still fresh beer. I think people always want to have that new new kind of flavor too um, to kind of show off to friends and to brag or whatever yeah. they, whatever they like to do. Do you think as beer drinkers then? And and I hate the word beer connoisseur. I remember when I first started <laughs> brewing, I was like, I'll I'll never be one of those people that's like oh, smell the Nelson saving in that. Whereas you know now I'm like. Ooh, it smells like Nelson Sobin. Um <laughs> But like, do you think that as beer drinkers, we're kind of missing something as a result of all this new, 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 fresh, 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 you know, bite now, bite now. And, and you know, because I, I found, because I'm a brewer myself as well, I found that um, the, the best test I find on a beer is to, is to feel like a, a, a cask or a keg or a pressure barrel or something and bring mm. it home. Um, well, I, I brew from home now uh, alongside doing Hot Forward as, an, as a nano brewery. So I'm, I say bring it home. I am home. <laughs> I, yeah. um, so it's not quite the same as when I was a commercial brewer running a 10 barrel brewery. But, um, you know, I'd, I'd, even back then, I'd be bringing these beers home and sitting with them for a while. And you can see how a beer sort of morphs in its flavour. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and when it's got its, its peak, and then there's a kind of like a, a kind of matured flavour after. That's that's not necessarily off or old or stale or anything. It's just slightly different from when it was at that kind of peak, and then it slowly but surely it kind of tails away. And I think you don't really get to appreciate beer in the same way unless you drink a lot of the same thing over and over again. I mean, mm. do, do you do you think that we're missing out? I guess because of the culture of like, got of the new, got of the new. It's not hazy enough. This. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you mentioned that. I think that, you know, we did come to a period in 2018, 2019, where it, it was all about the hazy IPAs and the next great hazy IPA. And there wasn't really much of a deviance between the two. But I, I personally find that I think that the pills and the lagers are making a pretty strong comeback from that perspective nowadays from people that are looking for more of that crisp kind of taste. Uh, I've seen a lot of major breweries not introduce a pilsner where, you know, like Trillium, for example, has a pilsner, German pilsner now, where... Mm. You'd never expect a brewery like that that makes these hazy, juicy, unbelievable beers everybody wants to in have a lager or a pilsner. I think that a lot of people are going back to that. I think it's not just because of people's palates changing. It's just in terms of, of the after effects of alcohol. I think that the, the age of people that are drinking beer and started out 10 years ago when craft beer started to get revolution are getting older, like including myself. So we want something that tastes great, has a great flavor to it, but doesn't get you in the bag after you have two of them from that perspective. So I think from my, my side, we're seeing a lot more trending upwards of pills and lagers over the last year than there has been ever, ever and since then. And also 
other types of, of styles like sour ales. Uh, and that's kind of what led us to make our 10th anniversary collaboration with Dogfish Head having this sour ale because the data showed us that the sour ale style was the most popular style in terms of growth over the last 10 years on our platform and the most amount of increases over the rest of the competition and the highest rating over the last 10 years over everything else. We need to take out the standard IPAs that are going to be there for everybody else and wait out the rest of the systems. So that's what kind of what I see is in terms of how that growth is, is coming back around from these more traditional styles and then mm. experimental styles that bring in more different types of beer drinkers to the, the, the fold. I think that sour opens up a way bigger uh, uh, diversity from that perspective of saying, hey, you know, I don't really like beer, but I love the sour that can get you in the door and then grow our, our, our community from that perspective when it comes yeah. to beer. Before we talk about that collaboration, um, I think what you've just said is really interesting from, a, I guess, a big data point of view, because I would imagine Untapped has probably the world's biggest set of data <laughs> um for what beer people what beers people drink so i mean um just out of curiosity what what, what can you see what kind of trends there are and like what, what what do you do with that data yeah we actually um do a lot with that data and we're going to do more in the future i think that collecting that data right now is the biggest strong point what we want to do uh we have around 931 million check-ins since the inception of untapped so we were really hoping for 1 billion check-ins this year and we probably would have happened if it wasn't for COVID 19 and kind of slowing mm. us down a little bit but you know over nine close to nine million users on the service and obviously nine um, 925 million check-ins across the board we're able to kind of pull some interesting stats about trending activities I and mean, we can tell you exactly when Oktoberfest beers are going to become more popular and pumpkin beers are going to become more popular or how long do winter beers stay on the shelves. But I think one of the deeper dives of data that I like to look at too is trend analysis over time for different types of styles and stuff like that. So, you know, you look at, for an example, um, you know, of, of, of the style growth within the system itself, you look at over the last 10 years of data, I think sours, if you rank them from, from one to 220, which is the number of styles we had over the course of the 10 year period, there's 146 increases of sour from the one they first got added. These are the number of unique people checking in these beers over the last 10 years. That's the highest of any type of style outside of the IPAs that we have in our system. It just shows that the style that, you know, I think a normal beer drinker that been drinking beer their whole life looks at that and like, wow, what is this? It must be bad. Something's wrong with this beer. To the fact that they're bringing in new people coming in from the outside world, making the beer community even bigger across the board. It's, just, it's astounding to me. I just, it's crazy to see those kind of stats come out. And not only that, if you look at sentiment analysis too. So like what you say in your check-in review, you know, obviously ratings are important to look at, but someone could say some positive or negative things within their, their review. And taking those into context, Sours has the highest overall average positive score over the last three years of data with 77% of comments that are put in in a positive light. And that's more than any other, including IPAs. So it's crazy just to see those numbers just in how we look at data. And we'll be doing more of this in the future and be able to provide more uh, data elements to our breweries and bars and restaurants, things of that nature. But the mm. early days of Untapped, looking at this data just shows a pretty awesome value of what, what we do behind the scenes here. Yeah. I mean, do you think that though, in part comes down to the type of people that would use an app like Untapped because it's like your average beer drinker and uh, and I say average I just kind of mean that pe people that aren't nerds like us basically um <laughs> you know um they I remember um, a business mentor of mine years ago when I, I started uh, my brewing brand saying um Nick the reality is like 99% of people can't tell one beer from another um, and I disagreed. I was like, well, that's not what crappy is about, et cetera, et cetera. But um, to a certain extent, he's got a point. And, but so do, do you not think that um, 
as from a I guess a big data point of view that we're only really getting a snapshot of the overall global beer drinker it's a very good point uh i think that you know most of the the people on untapped are a mix of those kind of the the beer the beer aficionados whatever you want to call them um to the 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 entry level beer drinker i think that's what the purpose of untapped is meant to be we have people to come to us say hey you don't have any educated users on untapped they don't know what beer is all about and and that's kind of the point we want them to get into the platform learn what they like learn what they don't like their ratings don't i mean it doesn't take like five or 10 people to overweigh a rate. It's not going to work like that. So I think for the most part, we're hoping to cultivate and educate the, the brewing community so that they can come together and really kind of understand beer in different light and eventually get to that point where they all feel like they can kind of communicate in the same way. I mean, Untap was really brought to the table as being an open network for everyone that wants to kind of bring to the table. So I think it has disadvantages to some point, but I think overall in the end, I think it's a positive change for the community and the beer lovers to be able to come together as one to, to kind of enjoy this experience mm. together and learn from each other. Yeah. So talk about the Dogfish Head collaboration. How did that come about? And did you go and brew the beer there with them and all that kind of thing? And Yeah. So, you know, Dogfish approached us with the idea and U.S. laws were kind of a little bit tricky. So because we sell uh, software as a service to bars, breweries and bars and restaurants, we're not allowed to participate in what we call the three-tiered system, which is the distribution, brewing, and um, the, the retail side. So we yeah. actually are not really allowed to, to brew with them from that perspective. And we're not brewers as a whole. So it would probably be better off if somebody else knew what they were doing <laughs> to put this together. So for, for us, you know, we wanted to collaborate with Dogwisha. They've been a, a customer of ours and our business products for a long time. You know, Sam is, is, an, is an incredibly uh, creative and 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 brewing genius when it comes to those things there. So when he approached us, we jumped at the opportunity and we said, you know what, why don't we incorporate some of our data elements to make this a really data initiative project. That's where the sour ale came to be, as I was talking about before, about all the analytics that we provide about showing its growth and the top trending style across the board. And we said, you know what, how can we name this beer to be, you know, uh, an indicator of this 10th anniversary. And I remember my first check-in was the first thing that our team kind of came together with after voting and said, hey, look, this is a great name. It kind of talks about, do you remember your first check-in? You know, what was it like? And this kind of beer brings it all back to that, that equation there. So what we built is a kind of a social uh, you know, beer recipe that can be shared to any brewer that wants to be part of it. And we made a special uh, landing page called untapped.com slash 10, which people can go to and see the recipe, download the label artwork. Uh, we're writing this to the end of the year. So while we do have our anniversary party uh, at the end of this week on the 24th of October, uh, we're actually doing a badge for the entire rest of the year for anyone that wants to brew this particular beer and check it in. Um, we have all the details on our website for people to do that and where you can sign up to see other breweries uh, and where they are located. So we're, you know, we're super excited. We do, you know, today is actually the first day, October 19th, that we're actually seeing some of the beers being put in production and put out there on the, on the go and seeing uh, one of those, those beers out there with a the, with the can and having your label on there. I, I can't really describe the, the feeling that way. I've been in this for 10 years and finally seeing a beer out there by, you know, Dogfish Head and other ones, other great breweries. So we're super excited about it. Yeah. I mean, did, did you ever envision Untapped being so huge 10 years ago when you when you first did it? No, I mean, you know, honestly, like I really thought nobody would use it. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, you know, back 2010, you're asking asking someone to voluntarily check in their beer and share it with the world. And, and you know, at that time, it was kind of a little taboo to like actually – share your drinking an alcoholic beverage. And nowadays everyone shares way worse things than that. Uh, but back then, uh, you know, it, it was kind of a interesting proposition. I think that we got lucky with attaching ourselves to craft beer at the time that craft beer became 
such a big hit here in the United States back in 2010. We rode that wave pretty well. People were looking to discover beer, and there's nothing really out there in terms of being able to find that beer that you're looking for, get recommendations. Because, you know, you walk into a bar nowadays, and there could be 25, 30, 50 taps online, and you mm. have no idea what to try. And Untapped's goal was to help you navigate that water by giving you recommendations and where to go and what to drink. So we got lucky with that, but I never thought in a million years that he was sitting here 10 years later talking to someone like yourself that I don't even know personally, but has used it and likes Untapped. And that's just an amazing part of what makes Untapped great and why I'm so thrilled to be part of it and motivated to keep building it every single day. Nice one. So, I mean, there's, there's no denying that the, the platform can be the bane of a brewer's life with start reviews <laughs> such as, um, I don't like sour beers, one out of five, you know, for a sour <laughs> beer. Um, right. or this is a, a personal favourite of mine from uh, a beer I brewed I once brewed an IPA and someone left me this kind review saying that this tastes like it would take the enamel off my toilet um, <laughs> do, do you feel that Untapped has a responsibility maybe to the well-being or mental health even of, of brewers who you know they often work long hours for low wages to, to be told these things by and it's again it's only a minority isn't it but like a select few keyboard warrior types mm-hmm. and I guess what is Untapped doing to help promote fairness because i know i've been in the, the receiving end of some of those reviews and and right. it's it can be quite hard as a brewer when you know what's gone wrong and you've had a really shitty day and, and the brew's gone really wrong for various reasons and there's all kinds of like business pressures and again as a brewer or an employee some, some of those things are out of your hands you know so you're kind of subject to to all, all those dysfunctions and stuff just that a lot of businesses have within them um and then to get s- some snarky person on untaps leaving a, a a review that you don't feel is kind of fair or even balanced it's just someone sounding off like i mean how does Untapped sort of navigate all that because it's got to be tricky from your point of view surely yeah, I think from from our perspective, you know, it, it's the review culture, right? Everyone has a voice and has an opportunity. This doesn't exist solely on Untapped. There are yeah, lots yeah. of other platforms that have very similar things. I'll give you a perfect example. We get tons of reviews from people on uh, on Apple, on iTunes stores, basically right. saying, "Hey, uh, one star. You guys have Facebook in your app. One star has nothing to do with our app. Has nothing to do with what we try to do." And you know, I, I definitely have learned over the years to kind of mute those out. And I and, and for the brewer's perspective, I, I understand completely where they're coming from you know it, it definitely hurts to have somebody that you work that you work so hard to produce a product and someone comes out and says i don't like it or having some comment out there but the sad sad reality is that there's not every single person out there is going to enjoy your, your beer and that's really a truth that a lot of breweries um mm. you know sometimes look at but don't really understand from that side i think we provide tools for breweries to get feedback from users by using our commenting system and engage with the users you can't really do that on a lot of other networks from a review perspective there and kind of engage with the customer and understand where they're coming from and make it, make it, uh, uh, you know, adjustments if you need to. And I, and I get it. There are keyboard words out there that their main reason is, is, is to troll you and to basically kind of do that. And we have automated procedures in place to protect against rating fraud and things of that nature. But, you know, for, for those one-off kind of people that do those things, I always try to educate or tell breweries, say, hey, look, look at the 500 other positive reviews that you have and the one yeah, totally. negative one, that's great. But it's going to mean nothing when you have 500 ones. And a lot of times, and even myself, it's tough to look past that one-star review when you look at the other ones and you have tons of tons of beers. Now, our, our rating on the App Store is close to a five. It's like 4.7. But we'll get one or two-star reviews and it will send me into a tizzy and then I'm just like, all right, I got to calm down. Look at the other 5,000 other reviews that we got that everyone loves this. But I think that we have the opportunity for most brewers to go and engage with the customer if they want to, to get that feedback. I think that comes back to 
the ability of this community to come together and, and provide information to the brewers to, to make their product better. Now, if I'm a user and I'm looking at a particular check-in feed and I see a one-star review of a person says, I don't like sours. And then the brewer responds and says, Hey, you know, I don't like sours. Um, you know, maybe the other beers that we make that you may like, I'm going to say, look, that brewery is actually trying to get, make, make their product better, increase their brand. That one star is not going to mean anything to me because I've seen the breweries responding and, and, and being engaging with a customer. So you know, we definitely want to take into a factor a lot of things with rating, and we definitely want to figure out solutions to help these kind of like, uh, oh, I don't like uh, sours. But I think one other aspect that breweries may not see is that people tend to rate for themselves sometimes and not for the regular public. And it's something that we're actually looking into deeply within the platform to see how we can uh, make that accommodating across the board. Because, you know, if you rate for yourself and not for anybody else, just as a yes or no, I like it or don't like it, it doesn't help anybody else. If you're not rating for an, uh, an opportunity to be public, you're going to say things like, hey, this beer is a one out of five. I don't like sours. That doesn't help anybody but yourself. So why did you even have the beer? And I, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with everyone in, in the camp. Like, why would you order a sour if you don't like sours? <laughs> and more importantly, why would you rate that sour if you don't like it? So from my perspective, believe it or not, I'm not a huge sour drinker. So when I check my, my sours, I don't really rate them because I don't, it's not my style of choice. I, I won't order it at a bar, but if someone gives me one, I'll definitely check it in and rate it, but I'm not going to give it a rating from that, from that side uh, because I don't like it. And I, yeah. I encourage the community the same thing as well. If, if you order a beer that you don't like, you know you're not going to like it. You're already subjectively rating the beer lower in your mind. Don't put it on the table that you rate it. So that's kind of what we, we look at from an educational perspective. We do improve upon it. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that you, what you say about, um, app store reviews because i'd not even thought about that because obviously untapped is subject to it and you're subject yep. to it just as as a, as a coder and stuff just as much as yep. a brewery is to their beers um one of the features that we were thinking of uh, introducing on the hot four podcast was called brewers read mean tweets um which is yeah. kind of like a rip off of the jimmy kimmel uh, bit and yep. um so I'm, I'm working on getting some brewers um to read out their mean tweets Ho- hopefully by the time um uh, this episode goes out you can listen to some of those before this interview nice. um but the, i guess there'd be a certain level of irony if it was like un- untapped reads from me tweets <laughs> <laughs> well, um, i think i think we, we, we've seen this i've seen a lot of brewers in the united states have done this where brewers mean read mean untapped reviews uh from that perspective and go through that whole process of trying to kind of see what that looks like from that side i think when it comes down to the end of the day and we're all in this together. I don't think there's a single drinker out there that, that you know, visibly wants to hurt someone's feelings, for lack of a better word. But I think that the way they're rating it is a way to remind them of whether they like the beer or they not like the beer. I think that if we give the opportunity to the brewers to engage with that customer, that's going to make a better opportunity for another repeat customer down the road. If you go off the rails and you just go like totally aggressive with a person, that's when we start seeing these things pop up on Reddit. And then, you know, it's hard to kind of, walk that back from that, from that side. So yeah. it, it, it's a culture we live in, unfortunately, but untapped does definitely does not want to encourage that type of behavior. We want, we want, you know, rating it for how it tastes and how everyone else should think about it just helps the the untapped community get better. Like if you're rating a, a one star beer and everyone's rating it a four and a half and you're saying, no, no, not my style. I don't like XXX. Then, you know, it hurts the untapped rating and it hurts the, the the reliability of our scores so people that you know won't use it so then the community kind of suffers from that side so we definitely don't want to encourage that type of behavior but it's important for us to kind of educate users and educate brewers to get a better perspective of connecting with the better better yeah i guess that speaks about um review culture doesn't it because i know it's the same with TripAdvisor, you know and, yeah, and people yeah. that leave reviews on there um i funnily enough i, I just looked up a couple of uh, reviews on untapped on, on the app store um there was two that made me laugh once 
one said automatic one star for asking for a review and the other which um, was um, this app does not support an iPad especially if you are using a keyboard it's like it's a little bit like when people um, they only had this beer in keg not in cask one star <laughs> yeah. it's like it's, it's ir- not really relatable from that perspective yeah. it makes sense this I mean get over yourself you know it's like there are people in this world that like are thirsty because they can't have clean water and, you know, and you're complaining that they don't have this, you know, marshmallow infused maple syrup waffle blueberry imperial stout <laughs> on cask, but they've got it in K and can. You know, it's like, anyway, there you go. Um, so- and, 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 you know, I, I do want to make a point too. that. I think that, that this is definitely a thing. I'm not going to discount that it's not a thing, but it's really in the minority. It's, it's, yeah, it's yeah, a totally. very small, small users that, that do this or have done this, excuse me. And I think that, you know, there are a lot of great reviews and users out there that, that don't do these things. So you know, it, it's a law, of, a law of averages. So, you know, you know, 500 users that check in at a regular rate, but one checks in wrong and that gets everyone up in arms and that becomes media worthy. Everyone pays attention to that being the norm instead of the exception. So I think that it definitely exists as, you know, it, I'd be lying if I think it doesn't, but I think that it's in the minority. It doesn't impact ratings to the extent that everyone may think it does. It's just more of a, like you said, a more of a, a mental health, tough skin perspective that I've had to learn from this on the app store side. I think that engaging with customers I want to be engaged with is the right way to kind of deal with that scenario. Yeah. I mean, I, I found my technique that I um, adopt is if, if someone's particularly scathing, um, I'll do a bit of research and if I can, I'll, and some, sometimes you can find them on Facebook, you know, as, as an actual human being and I'll, I'll go, I'll, I'll make, or Twitter, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of message them directly and um, even with a voice memo and just be like, oh, you know, I got your review, you know, you really nicely nice and stuff. And not, it's funny, like nine times out of 10, the person that's being really scathing and, and offhand with you all of a sudden adopts their best sort of uh, Queen's English. Oh, I'm, I'm ever so sorry. Oh, I, I didn't mean to offend you. It's like, well, <laughs> yeah, anyway. M- moving on then. I, I know a lot of bottle shop owners and bars look to untap reviews to help them make an informed purchasing de- decision what they should have on the taps and stuff. Um, mm. I mean, for anyone that's listening to this, when, when somebody might be using it for that purpose, what considerations should they make? Uh, and, and how do you think, un- other than the reviews and stuff, how do you think Untaps can make, help them make a reasonably informed purchasing decision? Are there any, any other ways that um, the app does that or, or are you looking to do that? I think there's two sides of it. We have, we have global ratings that tell you what the beer is rated, but we also have something called highlights within the application. So when you scan a beer and you look at that particular beer profile, if any of your friends have had those beers and made an actual comment on there, not like an emoji with hard eyes or whatever it is, an actual physical review, we'll show those on the top of the beer page. You can get a good idea what your friends that you are on the platform think about that beer from that perspective. So as a, a person, a consumer that wants to buy something from that side, that's a great way to do that. On the retail side, from bottle shop perspective, we have a product called Untap for Business, which is basically a SaaS software product that we sell to bars and restaurants and also retail places to kind of manage your beer list for you. Have using our data from that perspective, so you don't have to actually type every single beer. We have all those beers database. We show you analytics on the platforms in terms of demographic information of your users. Also, you know, what time of day people come in and things of that nature based on their check-ins and stuff like that. Also with purchase that because we have the field for off-premise locations. So if you go to a bottle shop that doesn't have any on-premise or you can buy a beer there. Uh, we can also add them as a purchase location when the user checks them in. But it also tells you what beers that are popular around your bar's location that you don't have on your current menu people want. 
And that gives you an opportunity to kind of segment yourself a little bit to say, hey, look, here are all the beers that everyone's checking into around me that they're going to other bars for or other places for. I got to get those beers in to get my users into my location. So I think it works both ways with our business products for the, uh, the back end, the retail, the bar restaurants, but the user having uh, individual users know what their friends are drinking and what they're thinking about them helps make a better decision about what happens when they actually go to buy or, or beer in, in the store. I think one of the coolest features is the scanning ability. So you can scan the barcode on the back of the, of, of the, of the, the beer and immediately be jumped into that particular beer and look at that information itself. So um, that's a real cool way to do that instead of typing out every single beer from that side uh, across the board. Yeah, I guess just on that a little bit. I mean, I mean, it's no secret. Just coming back to the beer styles, that Imperial Stout score really well on Untapped. Yep. In, in fact, there's a, a brewery not too far from me here that exclusively makes Imperial Stouts with a Star Wars theme, and they're rated one of the best breweries in the world. Now, I, I, I don't even know Damien listens to this, but like as far as I'm aware, they're really, really tiny. Um, so, mm. um. Like how how does stuff like that sort of skew um, untapped and 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 the data? So I mean, you, you you might be led to thinking that Emperor's Brewery is huge. I mean, it's the third. I'm just looking at the app now. That it's like the third highest rated brewery in the world, and as as far as I'm aware, it might only be like one one UK brewer's barrel. Um, mm. So like when it when it comes to like people making purchasing decisions and that kind of thing, like how how would those kind of results sort of skew it? Yeah, I mean, it definitely does skew to the higher the alcohol content, usually the higher the rating. That's basically what we are uh, are saying uh, from that aspect there. But I think for the most part, uh, when it comes down to it, uh, we, we find that the the overall brewery's rating score is dependent upon a couple things in our rating algorithm. The higher the check-ins, the more popularity of their beers is a higher weighted average. This is all described on our help site. So there's no trend, there's very high transparency here. But like say you release a imperial stout, for example, that is, you know, 13% cocoa nibs, something amazing. Everyone loves it. It's released by, you know, and it goes and a thousand people have it. That's going to be great for your beer rating, but it's not going to be, it's not going to be an amazing jump because if you make another beer and you have 10,000 reviews for that beer, that's going to get, get, get weighted higher. That way, one beer that they make one time, but 10 people try, isn't going to outweigh the rest of the population right. from a beer. Drink. So we do have algorithms to help with those things, but yeah, it's true. You look at the top rated beers. A lot of them are going to be Russian imperial styles. And that's kind of the way that the, people tend to rate them. Um, but I think that an overall score from that perspective, that's why, you know, I always look at what my friends are thinking about and the overall is great to just see, but I think having what your friends think about that beer helps you really make a decision when it comes to, uh, that particular beer and what you yeah. take. How do you think we'll see more technology and apps integrate into the world of beer over the coming years, especially in like COVID and how that's kind of changing how we purchase beer and experience beer? Like where, where do you see technology taking us in the realms of beer drinking? You know, I think I think in the U.S. I'm not sure if this is kind of caught over in, in the in the U.K. or other countries, but beer uh, beer subscription packages or beer um, you know uh, delivery packages are becoming a huge thing. Tavor, you know, Beer Drop. I know Beer Fifty Two over as well yep. uh, is, is really popular. I think those are going to be an amazing increase over the years because those are people want to have unique beers that's what they i mean i subscribe to one myself and i think that we want to try you know we don't want to invest anymore in that six pack or that four pack we want 10 beers uh and 
five of them being different and the two packs are fine. You can share with a friend. I think with COVID, if money gets tighter and people want more exploration, they're not going to leave their house. Beer delivery is kind of what I think is the future, what that on hold. Uh, so having that ability is something that we're desperately looking, I think is going to be in the future going to be very, very prominent. Again, this is more of a U.S. thing. I know overseas, this has been something that's been there for a little while, but the laws in the U.S. are starting to be a little bit less or a little more strict from delivery perspective. But I think that the, that technology will definitely help bear get people's hands much faster online delivery. I think COVID, unfortunately, being a horrible thing that it is, given us some opportunity to innovate these old laws and regulations that, that don't help breweries get beer in people's hands. I think that's really the future in my mind of where, where beer is going to be in, in a couple of, in the year coming up. Yeah. I mean, just while we're talking about the USA, where is the beer industry heading at the moment? Um, and how's, how's COVID affecting brewery and bar sales over there? Because I know it's, it's all a real mishmash from state to state, isn't it? Right. It is. I mean, in the United States, we can't really deliver. I mean, you know, I couldn't send, if, if you lived in, in Massachusetts and like lived in Connecticut, I can't even send you beer over the public mail system. It's not allowed, but I can do it for wine or, or uh, wine can be sold in, in online stores and shipped to every state of the United States, but only beer can be shipped in certain states and things of that nature. So it, there's a lot of regulation there. And I think that with COVID, some of them are being lifted. For example, now in Connecticut, where I live, breweries can sell direct to consumer and not have to go to distributor or just go right to online and you can have it delivered to your house or pick up or curbside. So I think those are things that have been pressed because of COVID, but I just think the technology is there to make these things you know, even better. I can see breweries having like exclusive kind of, uh, uh, you know, brew packages that people, you know, buy and purchase as like, you know, premier members or wherever, and they get a, a monthly disbursement of beer automatically to them. And I think that there's opportunities there in the future to do those type of things uh, across the board. So I'm interested to see how these markets kind of come together and uh, how Untap can help them succeed. Yeah, brilliant. Well, thanks for being on the show today. Um, one, last, one last question. What, what, where do you, where is Untap going next? Like, what's in the pipeline? <laughs> you know, I, I, I love that question because I, I could never imagine myself being sitting here at 10 years old and knowing that this would still be going on. But I think one of the things that we're really focused on is growing internationally from an Untap perspective. You know, uh, we've uh, we've opened our first kind of office in, in Europe, for example, where we have an office in, in Amsterdam and we're looking to kind of uh, keep building that particular uh, area. Uh, we've hired a couple people over there as well. So growing our footprint internationally is important to us and growing uh, the brand internationally is obviously important. Also, just in, in terms of app usage, it's big, making it more stable, stability, and integrated better with features from our venue size. So we want to be able to, you know, there's a dream I have one day where I'll be able to see my friends drinking in a bar in London, for example, and be able to buy them a pie right from the application. So, I mean, there's a lot of things of, of a pie in the sky kind of thing where uh, I feel is, is kind of a, the direction where we're going to, but the core uh, business of what we're trying to do within the Untap platform is build the, the best experiences we can, surprise and delight our users, and also be able to expand our brand internationally across the board. I will say one thing I almost forgot about is that we actually are having, uh, you know, with, with COVID being, it is what it is, we're doing a lot of virtual festivals. We did one in, in the U.S. in July, and we're actually doing one in, the, in Europe from uh, beer merchants uh the uh online merchant over in the uk uh in november so if anyone's interested in that we're at untap.com slash europe festival uh, and we're selling tickets there for a beer pack that's delivered to your house and we're doing an online stream of uh, a lot of events that day as well so that's just one of the initiatives that we're also doing as well in the future to kind of bridge the gap between the physical and digital world especially now that covid won't let us do any type of physical in, in world uh, festivals um until who knows when, but yeah, that, that's uh, another thing I forgot to mention as well. Great, so thank you. 
Thanks for tuning in to the Hot Forward podcast this week. Don't forget, we're here to help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. So hit the subscribe button for more insights into the beer industry. Connect with us at hotforward.beer or through our social media channels at hotforwardbeers. Until next time, cheers. Hey,